you, Jesus. There's so much talk about freedom today. Freedom of choice, right? Freedom to exercise your will. There's so much talk. It's in the news. <laughs> it's all around. Maybe you've heard this discussion about the freedom to choose amongst your family and friends. It's kind of a hot topic right now. There's lots of debate about freedom. But what really is freedom for the Christian? This is our message today. For the believer, what does, what does freedom mean for us? What does it mean for us? Now, you may have some ideas about that. One thing you need to know, and hopefully everyone knows, but not the world, the world does not acknowledge this, that the freedom that we enjoy has been given to us by God. God himself has given us freedom. Now, he's a good father, so he knows how to lead his people. He knows how to lead his children in this gift of freedom. And we're going to look at this today. The title of this message is The Path of Progress. Because we want to make progress. We're running a race. That's not news to uh, most of us here. We're in this race, and we've already heard that we are victorious in this race. We know the end of the story, don't we? The scripture says to run the race to win the race, because that's God's plan for us, that we can. And we are, though, I, want, I don't want to say but, <laughs> but we are in a race. There's parts of the race that aren't always so pleasant, but nonetheless, we know that if we don't quit, we will be victorious. So we're on this path, we're on this race, we're in this lane. Hopefully it's our lane and we're not looking to the right or to the left. We're running our race that God has for us. There are so many things I could say about this path this lane, uh, the freedom that's before us, the, the Zoe life, the God kind of life. There's so many things. I, I feel I have to say the first and foremost thing is that we have to give our lives to Jesus. If, if you here, if anyone here or watching online hasn't received Jesus as Lord, that's, that's the first and most important thing. And everything I'm gonna share with you today, because this actually isn't part of my message, Everything that I'm going to share to you today is based on this, that you are in the family of God. Not just sort of generically, you know, we're all children of God and Jesus loves, you know, the world, God loves the world. That's true. But specifically that our lives have been surrendered to him, that we've accepted Christ, that we've received Christ as our Lord, our personal Lord. That's the first thing. You're not even in the right race if you haven't accepted Christ. I'll be bold enough to say that, okay? So, when I'm talking about running uh, a race or this path that we're on, that we're progressing in, all right, um, I'm gonna speak today about how important it is that we are led by the Spirit of God. That's the, that's the focus here, being led by the Spirit of God. Now, being led by someone automatically implies what? If you're being yeah. <laughs> if you're being led by someone, it means that you're following someone, right? And to be truly led by the person, you have to submit, right? 
You have to yield. We all know what it's like to drag a child along that doesn't want to go where we want to go. It's absolutely no fun. It's hard. Why would we do that to ourselves, being the children dragged through life, or to our loving Heavenly Father who we are here for Jesus, right? We want to give ourselves to Him completely in every way. So when I'm speaking about being led by the Spirit, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, being led by the Holy Spirit, and our spirit, because just as I said, our spirit needs to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, right? Needs to partner with the Holy Spirit. We like that word, don't we? Because it implies, wow, I'm partnering with God, therefore I'm going to be successful. Who wouldn't want to do that? We're not so much fans of the word submit to the Holy Spirit, which is basically the same thing. So call it what you want. In the end of the day, this is about following him closely, submitting to him, submitting to him. So this message is um, freedom, living a life that's truly free through submission. Freedom through allowing ourselves to be submitted to God or even to be controlled by God. Now, if your skin is crawling right now, or maybe your something on the inside is making you feel a little nervous, I'd say just relax if you can and trust that God is good and what he's doing is always good. It might seem like a bit of an oxymoron or paradoxical to think about freedom through control. Freedom through control, you know, or winning through losing. Winning through losing, that doesn't seem to go together. But yet, what do we know to be true? Jesus says to us in Matthew 10, 39, whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. Colossians 3, 3, I believe it is, says that our lives are actually hidden in Christ. We're not going to find our true life unless we submit ourselves to God because that's where we'll find what we're looking for. It says in the Passion Translation of that scripture, those who cling to their lives will give up true life. But those who let go of their lives for my sake and surrender it all to me, you know that song, I Surrender All, I can't sing, but I think everybody knows the one I'm talking about, right? It just makes you want to put your arms out, I surrender all. Oh, I, I'm just really showing my musical ability there. <laughs> Anyways, <clears throat> I'm down in this deep register, so I, you know, what can I say? But, you know, the Lord says, surrender it all to me and discover true life. True life. So, freedom through control. Freedom through submission. Freedom through dying. Winning through losing. Now, this is the way that God made this. So don't, you know, be too upset because the King of Kings, who we just finished singing about, right? Who we just finished saying, it's all for you, Jesus, right? He's the one that made the game to work this way. He's the race master, if you will. And this is how we are to run the race if we want to win. Who here wants to lose? 
I don't see any hands. Nobody wants to lose? You all want to win? Okay, then what does that mean? Like the butterfly, right? Like the caterpillar. You got to get into that cocoon for that metamorphosis, that change to actually happen, right? We have to submit ourselves to the secret place, even though the world is saying, do this, do that, be busy, run here like a hamster on a wheel. And God is saying, you got to come in close to me in order to receive from me. We have to die, okay? No point in mincing words. We have to die to ourself if we are to live the true life that God has for us. We're not going to be disappointed with this true life because the true life is supernatural life. The true life is the supernatural. The natural life, if you want to remain a caterpillar, is to live a limited life. Caterpillars do not fly. They don't fly. That's the natural life that we can choose. If we decide that we want to do this thing in our own strength, God gives us the freedom to choose. We have free will. We're very powerful people. We actually can not only negotiate with God, we could actually turn our back on God. He gives us that freedom. Animals do not have that freedom. They are programmed with innate tendencies and they must comply. They have no choice to comply. That's, that's how they're wired. But we have this gift given to us to choose and we must choose wisely. You know, we know that Deuteronomy scripture that says, I give you the power of life and death. Choose life. So this message is about us advancing or progressing in our willingness to surrender to him. Because this happens gradually. A caterpillar doesn't become a butterfly overnight. It happens gradually through the work of the Holy Spirit that our lives are surrendered to him more and more. So this true life, it's this supernatural life. It's this Zoe life, which is a Greek word, meaning the God life. That's the life that God wants us to give us. Joint heirs with Christ. That's not a figure of speech. That's a literal, actual, spiritual reality that we are joint heirs with the King of Kings. This is what God is giving to us today. Actually, this is what he has given to us and he's trying to get us, forgive me, to wake up to the reality that's ours. And today is a good day to emerge as butterflies from that place of dormancy. So how do we, how do, we do this? I already said that you know, the first and foremost thing is through the blood of Christ, right? Salvation in Christ alone, there's no other way. That, that settles it, being born again. But that really is just the beginning of the process. I think every, probably most people here know that to be true, right? You give your life to Jesus, but it is not like pixie dust, a magical experience happens. There is the renewing of the mind that begins, right? Be transformed like the caterpillar to the butterfly through the process right through progressing through the process of renewing the mind Romans 12 2. renewing the mind to what 
to God's word, to the truth, renewing our minds to the truth. We have lots of information floating around in our head. Not all of it is true. In fact, a lot of it, researchers say, that most people's thoughts are something like 80% negative. The majority of people's thoughts are negative, so that means that the real estate of our mind is mostly occupied by things that are not God, that are not the God life that we are pressing, running this race to win. So what do we do about this? Well, we want to invite the Holy Spirit right into the process. Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill this temple, Holy Spirit, right? Receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and allow him to lead us and guide us in the way that we should go. And we have examples of this. We're not in this alone. We're not the first ones to be facing this. If we even just look at the Bible, we can find so many examples of people who did this. What I'm asking us to do today is not easy. It's simple, right? But it's not easy. Abraham did it, right? He laid his son on that altar. Now, he had a relationship with God. We will never be able to submit to that degree if we're not talking to God. So don't worry about it. If you don't want to submit to God, don't talk to God. <laughs> because you'll never have the courage, because courage comes from God. You'll never have the strength, the faith, to actually bring your son or your beloved, whatever, to the altar and lay it there before God and allow him to resurrect something new. We know Mary did it. She submitted herself as a young girl. This is not an age-determining condition. Anyone can do this. She said yes to the Lord, and he gave her true life in the literal sense, right? Not only did she know the joy of hosting our Savior, but she also... <laughs> also literally gave birth to true life through that act of submission. And we're not different than Mary, even if you're a male, because God has put in you a dream, right? He, Holy Spirit, has implanted in us dreams. And he wants us to give birth to those things. They, they were there before the beginning of time. He didn't just decide to give you a dream today. When he fashioned and formed you in your mother's womb, in there was the blueprint of your life, the dreams that you would someday desire. And with Holy Spirit, like Mary, we can bring those things to the forefront if we live a life connected to the Holy Spirit. We get to determine the extent of that connection, but it does require connection. So this path to freedom in Christ, to the true life, um, it's pretty straightforward. You might want to write this down in case you conveniently forget later on. Okay. You let go of the right to rule your life. It's just as simple as that. You let go of the right to rule your life. Everybody smile. We... We love that, don't we? This is good. Say, this is good for me. <laughs> True confession. I had, I, when I was working on this, even driving in this morning, I'm thinking, 
Holy Spirit, what are some examples of me really submitting my life to you? You know, and I had to go through a little process of repentance. He's always working on us. If we open the door, he's going to come in, clean out the deception, right, that is rooted in some hurt or offense, and heal us so that we can advance to the next level. So we have to let go of the right to rule our lives. In simple terms, it means this. You might want to write this down too. We will not take any action without relying on God. We will not take any action without relying on God. That makes me feel a little lighter, actually, because I think, okay, I don't have to carry the weight. I don't have to do, I don't have to do this. I don't have to try and figure it out, right? I don't have to keep going around and around like a hamster thinking I'm going somewhere. I can just get off and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do today? Holy Spirit, what time should I get up today? Holy Spirit, what, what should I wear today? What should I eat today? What should I watch today? What should I listen to today? <laughs> right? Who should I talk to today? What should I give away today? What time should I go to bed today? Simple questions. And I know there's lots of testimony in this room of having asked the Lord these things and heard and found true life through that process. So Paul said this, and again, these are, are strong words, but these are, these are in the Bible, guys. In 2 Corinthians 4.11, he says, we consider living to mean that we are constantly being handed over to death for Jesus' sake. We consider living meaning that we're dying for Jesus. We're here for you, Jesus, right? Does he talk about an actual physical death? He's not really talking about a physical death here. He's talking about this process of dying to self, of letting go of our natural life so that we can exchange it for the eternal plan, the, the true life that God has for us. And he says that we may reveal Jesus through our humanity. We're dying so that we can reveal Jesus. We want to be the hands and feet of Jesus, don't we? We do. We say that, and I know we mean it to a degree. And so today is an invitation. If I'm teaching on this, there must be grace for this for us, right? To advance, to progress, that we may yield even more to Jesus. When Moses came down from the mountain... They said he shone, right? The light of God was so bright that it was visible because he had spent time with, uh, with the Lord. And that's the truth for us. As we spend time with him, we look like him. We act like him. We sound like him. Because more of you, Jesus, and less of me means that when I interact, people have encounters with the Lord. This is available to us. And we're doing it. I know that we're doing it. We're in our workplaces, in our families, and we're, we're testifying to the goodness of the Lord. 
Yay. Yay to that. Let us increase. So I, I want to break down the mechanics of choosing, exercising our will. I want to break down, how does that actually work? Like, where is the will in the human soul? What, what is willpower and where does my will exist? Somebody tell me where my will is. <laughs> because a lot of times, you know, we try and exert willpower to get something done, but we, we don't always have the power or the strength, it seems, to get it done. So, your will is your decision center. It's the place where decisions are made, right? It's the highest faculty of the soul. Um, it's the place where hopefully your intellect, your mind, the thoughts you think, your reasoning power, and your emotions <laughs> come together. And in that place, your will will make a decision on what to do. So our thoughts and our emotions are incredibly important. This doesn't surprise us here at Light City because we know our beliefs affect our thoughts, <laughs> which affect our emotions, which affect our decisions and our actions and over time, our habits, right? Our character and ultimately our destiny. So what you're thinking about and what you're feeling has a huge impact on where you're going in life. It's not random. You didn't, you know, wake up on the wrong side of the bed or you weren't born on the wrong side of the tracks. None of that. It's what we're thinking about because Jesus has made a level playing field for us. Doesn't matter who we know or how much money we have, what our connections are. If we'll submit our life to Jesus, we have the elevation to do the things we want to do. So the will is so powerful, so powerful. Unfortunately, one of the actions of the will is sin. As just as when you do a random act of kindness, comes out of your will, so does sin come out of your will, right? And it seems like the will will do whatever the emotions want. And our emotions are based on what we're thinking about, right? And so our will will do that. We habitually, I'll say, we habitually, like on habit, because of habit, we make decisions based on how we're feeling. And feelings can be very fickle. Every single one of us here knows that, right? But when emotions are submitted under the control of the Holy Spirit and our own spirit, right, then our will cannot act as independently as it wants. Nobody wants to be told what to do, even believers, unless we have learned to submit to the truth. Then we're okay with it because we know that's where safety is. We know that's where we'll flourish. So when they are submitted, wonderful. When they're not submitted, we end up with what Paul said in Romans 7:19. I want to do what is good, but I don't. We're in good company. St. Paul said this, okay? I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. How many times have we experienced this? Where maybe we've had a bad day, someone's hurt us, you know, said something, we got offended, we got left out, blah, 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 blah. There's a million opportunities, right? And we have tried to find a way to recover 
from the hurt and we are tempted to do something we know we shouldn't do. That's the moment of decision right there. The emotions want what the emotions want, right? And the mind agrees they've got it coming to them. Or for after all that you've done, right, the, mo the mind starts reasoning and the emotions are flaring and then eventually the will goes and does the thing that it's being pressured. You are being pressured by yourself to do that. And so we end up with our flesh dominating, right? Our spirit is not dominating, but our flesh is getting what it wants. We know the outcome for that. It's not good. Now, human willpower is incredibly powerful. It's so strong. I mean, the Tower of Babel is an excellent example. Look what was accomplished through a few men and women who decided that they were going to build something. Wow. But the most that we can get from willpower is willingness. Like, I'm willing, Lord. I want to, Lord. But see, that's still human, isn't it? It's not, it's not supernatural. It's when we invite Holy Spirit that that becomes a supernatural power within us. We have to take that step because otherwise we're limited. We can't do it. So, how can we cooperate to ensure that we're following the Holy Spirit? I think this week in class, one of the students says, how do I know if I'm following the Holy Spirit? I want to follow the Holy Spirit, but how do I, how do, I do that? How do I know? I mean, I'm okay with dying to myself, right? I want to mature. I want to be in right uh, subjection to the Holy Spirit, right? I, I want to be able to see how great God is and also at the same time see how great I am in him because God's not asking us to think that we're nothing. When John the Baptist said, I must decrease so that he may increase, he wasn't talking about I must start thinking little of myself. No, he, he continued to be a powerful prophet and Jesus said the greatest prophet that ever lived. But he had a right understanding of God he knew that he must subject himself so that God may be exalted. Not our human will, our choice to put ourselves first. That's what individualism is. Individualism says, me first, right? Self-reliance says, I've got the power to do this. I have the resources to do this. I can do it on my own. But this is the, the road to death. This is choosing death and not choosing life when we make that choice. I mean, toddlers do that, don't they? Right? When they say they want to go outside and you say, we're going outside, and now with this weather, going outside means you have to stop and put your coat on, your hats on, your gloves, your boots, you have to do the whole thing, and the toddlers will have a little hissy fit because they think they're not going outside. They think we're going backwards. Sometimes when we follow the Holy Spirit, it seems like we're going backwards, but we're not. If we stick with him. For that toddler, it seems like, this isn't what I want to do. I don't want to put my coat on. I don't want those mittens that'll keep my fingers from frostbite. I'm willing to wage frostbite. Who cares? Let me just get outside. But see, we don't do that to our children because we're good parents. And God is a good father. So if it seems in your life that you're going backwards, I would say 
you're probably not. If you've asked the Lord, and you wouldn't be here this morning if you haven't asked the Lord. You're you're asking the Lord. That's why you're here. If you've asked the Lord, you're moving forward. You're moving forward. Thank you, Jesus. So what's the fastest path to progress? I want to... um, I want to lay down three things, three, as we just wrap up, three things that we can do to ensure that we are following the Holy Spirit. Three things. By the way, before I forget, it's worth doing these things because Jesus told us that anything that the Father didn't plant is going to be uprooted and thrown out. Anything that we do on our own without him amounts to nothing. Doesn't matter how grand it is, how charitable it looks. If it doesn't come from God, if it doesn't come from fellowship with God, then it amounts to nothing. So we don't want that, do we? We want to mature. We want to do it God's way. So here's the first step. The first step of a spirit-controlled life or a spirit-controlled mind, or spirit-submitted life, if you like that word better, right, is this, to discern. Discern. What am I talking about? I'm saying this. Pay attention to what you are thinking about. Pay attention. Observe what you are thinking about. Notice your thoughts. Don't say, I can't help it. It's just the way I think. It's just the way I feel. That's not true. Because the Bible says that we can do this. He's given us the light. We have the light of God. So when we're paying attention to our thoughts, we're not doing this in isolation from God because then we're going to end up in condemnation, right? We're going to end up feeling bad about ourselves because some of our thoughts are ugly. They're just not good. And if we don't invite Holy Spirit to help us, we're going to end up down the pit and digging and going further, right? But God is saying, with my light, pay attention to what you're thinking about. That's the first step. The second step is to bring those thoughts to God and together process. Now, don't let go right in this moment, okay? Because... Sometimes we think, well, I've heard this before, and I can't do it. It's too hard. Yeah, it's hard, but do you want to win? Think of yourself as an Olympian. They train in the rain, right? They train uphill on purpose because they know who their competitors are. They know the stakes. So bring those thoughts to God so that together you can process them. The Bible says this, and we all know this, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What's the high thing? The high thing isn't the devil talking in your ear, necessarily, although he has been known to do that. It's more likely it's our own negative thinking that is saying God's not going to come through. God, where are you? God, you haven't come through. Why is this taking so long? Pay attention to that thinking pattern. 
casting that down and bringing it into captivity because you're the boss, are you not? Or you need to be, we need to be the boss of our thoughts, right? And bring those thoughts prisoner or captive into the obedience of Christ. Thoughts, you must obey what God says is true. Feelings, I refuse to be dictated by you. Take yourself by the ear, as Joyce Meyer used to say, and make yourself do what you know is true. I know it might feel hard to do this, but I wonder if this isn't the cross that Jesus talked about. You know when he said um, in Matthew 16, 24, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Deny what? Lunch? I think he's saying deny himself the right to think whatever you want. Deny ourselves the right to exercise our will however we want to. And take up his cross. This is the work, the hard work, of dealing with unhealthy thoughts. Those seeds that will produce fruit, bad fruit, but they nonetheless will produce fruit in our life. And follow me, Jesus saying, think what I think. Philippians 4.8, whatever's true, whatever's lovely, whatever's a good report, there's a list. If you're not sure if your thoughts align with God, pull that scripture out and go down the list. If you can say, check, 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 oh, mm, then you know that you've missed it in an area, and that's okay. But this is what mature people do. This is what responsible people do, right? This is what winners do, right? This is what Olympians do, is they do what it takes to win. We can do this with the Holy Spirit. So those are the first two steps. Number one, discern. Think about what you're thinking about. Pay attention to what you're thinking about. Number two, take those thoughts to God and process them with him. Talk to him. Say, Jesus, this is how I feel. Just in regular language, right? This happened, and I'm not okay with this. And he can read between the lines. I mean, you don't have to give him every single thing because he was there, right? I really want to do it your way, God, but I feel really inclined to do it my way. What do you think? Fine, what do you think? And he will answer. I know from personal testimony. <laughs> and I know everyone here has the same experience, right? You'll get that little thought, the little suggestion around maybe the consequences of that choice. I know, I know, I know, God. That's the Holy Spirit. That's him. Maybe you didn't realize you were already communing with him. The third step, and I would really encourage you not to skip this step, because this is the honey on the honeycomb. This is the step that people want to skip, which is to return to the quietness of God's presence and get the truth. You talk to the Lord, you process, just stay there a moment longer. It doesn't take that long. Just linger, 
for a moment longer. Because we know that when we get the truth, it'll set us free, Romans 8.32, right? It'll set us free from whatever brought us to the conversation in the first place. And in this quietness, it's Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord will quiet us with his love. He will sing over us. He will hover. He will hover. Holy Spirit, that's Holy Spirit, will hover over us and quiet us and sing over us. So those are the three steps that I want to leave with you today. Number one, discern. Think about what you're thinking about. Number two, bring those thoughts to Jesus, to Holy Spirit. Bring them to him and process them like you would, you know, when you're processing meat in a grinder, right? You're just working it all. Process with the Lord. And number three, return to that place of quiet with him, to his presence. I have a prophetic word that I want to close with. And it's about each of these three steps. So I'm going to read from my notes the prophetic word for step number one, for step number two, and step number three. And I would just invite you to just receive. Just receive. You don't have to close your eyes, but if you want to, that's the best way for you to receive so that you can tune out. No one's looking at you. Just receive. Just take a deep breath, you know, and just know we're almost done. We're literally a couple minutes away from being done. It's almost time for lunch. Hallelujah. So about step number one, discern. God says this to you, to us, to everyone. Beloved, I want you to pay attention to what you're thinking about, both the obvious thoughts and the subtle musings of your subconscious. Nothing must go unchecked. Every thought must come into alignment with my truth. It's time to be honest with yourself. It's time to be aware of your thoughts and feelings so that you can bring them to me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. About step number two, which is bringing our thoughts to the Lord and processing with him, the Lord says this to us. Hidden fears, areas of unforgiveness, and incorrect ideas about who I am or how I want you to live and behave must come into the light of my holiness. It's the only way to be free. My grace will expose lies that you've believed. Don't be afraid of what's on the inside. I've already seen every belief, even the ones you haven't realized are there. I care about every thought. I know how to address the distortions that have wedged themselves into the dark crevices of your mind. This is your season of breakthrough. I am doing a deeper work and drawing out the poison drawing out the poison of lies, lies, so that you can be truly free. 
Thank you, Lord. About step three, return to the quietness of love, to the quietness of the Lord's presence. He says this, my words have the power to eliminate all your fears. They have grace to erase your flaws. Listen to my words and cherish all that I say to you. I will bring you into a new place where you see more clearly and love more deeply. I will make myself known to you and you'll see that I am at work in your life. You will rejoice because of what I am doing within you for you will be the one who overcomes. Your faith will arise because I am merciful and kind. The calling on your life is great, yet you have forgotten many of the promises. It's time to stop walking the path of your own choosing. For you are mine completely. With my love comes my power. Rise like an eagle in the sky, unable to fall. For my love will keep you as you surrender fully to my love. I love you. I am with you. Let my love in. You are the constant focus of my delight. Thank you, Jesus. I want to lead you in a prayer here. You don't have to. This is voluntary. But if you want to submit yourself in this act of verbalizing, this will help you to feel like you are making those steps. Just pray with me. You can quietly under your breath or in your own mind. It's about five lines long, just so you know. So here it goes. We're going to make a decision here, a, a, a rededication, if you will. It says, I make a conscious, willing decision to dedicate my spirit, soul, and body to God. I dedicate myself and all its parts to the loving rule of Jesus Christ. I dedicate and consecrate myself to him in every way. I ask for the blood of Christ to cleanse me and make me holy. Holy Spirit, come and fill your temple now. Restore my life to the complete dominion of Jesus Christ. I submit myself to be led by God. Amen.